You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined by Chris Flum. And today, Chris, it is draft week, so we have some dueling mock drafts that we want to go over together. But before we get into that, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it, it's a Monday. How good can you be doing on a Monday, even for draft week? It is draft week, though. And, bro, the draft, I am just ecstatic that it's finally here. What will the New York Giants do with two top 10 picks? There are just so many questions. The direction of the franchise under Joe Shane and Dable. So many questions that need to be answered. And we're going to have a little bit of clarity come Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know what we're going to be doing? We'll be covering it extensively here at Big Blue View. Oh, yeah, very extensively. We already have a plan of action worked out for the week. Got this podcast. You folks will be getting plenty of us after the draft. And, you know, we've got a lot planned. It's going to be great. But I think we should get into these two mock drafts, Chris. So we each did a mock draft on the simulator. What is it, Chris? The NFL mock draft. It wasn't some of the ones I've ever used before, to be honest. Uh, yeah, same here, but it happens to be Ed's favorite one. So why not? We'll just go with fearless leader. Go with the fearless leader. It's NFL mock draft simulator. You want to be the GM, you use this one according to their advertising. So we started this off and I guess I'll go first, Chris, because mine's not as creative as yours. (laughs) There are trades. I decided not to do any trades in in mine after doing a couple trial runs, just getting very, very greedy. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can sit there for hours doing it. So I just sat there at five and I landed Charles Cross and it's not something that I necessarily was in love with, but it was something that in my hand was kind of forced because Iki Iquanu and Evan Neal were both off the board at this point of the draft for me. The draft order went Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal to Houston, and then Iquanu to the Jets. And that's something that can realistically happen or at least something like that. Maybe it's Trayvon Walker instead of Kayvon Thibodeau. So I was sitting there at five and even if I was trading, I don't know if I want to trade that pick if I do believe that those three tackles are the top tackles in the draft. Yeah, that, that's something our two mocks had in common. I I had Evan Neal and Iki Iquanu off the board when I got to, when it was my pick at fifth overall as well. But I did go for draft or go for trades with my mock draft. I, I only did one and I wound up trading the fifth overall pick. I passed on Charles Cross, but I did so yeah, you know, there was a reason. There's a method to my madness. And you know, if you go on Big Blue View, you can see I put out a Velociraptor's corner, basically looking at the rationale behind trading down and why it is generally a good idea for a team to trade back. You know, the the big underlying point of it is that the difference between a high pick in a round and a lower pick in that same round isn't so great as your odds of getting a hit with multiple picks. Now, I am... I wound up making my trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers, dropping from five all the way down to 20. But 
in doing so, I pick up a 2023 first round pick and a 2023 second round pick. So I am taking that current value and rolling it over into future value. So the Giants will have multiple first round picks this year, multiple third round picks this year. Next year, they would have multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks. Yeah, I wanted to set the franchise up with either the possibility to keep adding talent in the high rounds next year or with the chips to trade up if they need to go get a quarterback, which let's be honest, that is the only reason to ever trade up. Yeah, other teams have traded up for non-quarterbacks before, but just from a pure value perspective, if if you're going to trade up, it should be for a quarterback. So the first pick I made was seventh overall, and I wound up getting Kyle Hamilton. I The Pittsburgh Steelers actually wound up taking Cross. I did it with the understanding that they would take Malik Willis. Willis went six to the Panthers. Um, Sometimes draft simulators can be weird. But in this case, I had the choice of Kyle Hamilton or Sauce Gardner. I decided to go with the safety, and that's because I really like the cornerback depth in this draft class. I figured I could get another good cornerback a little bit later in the draft, and the difference between Sauce and the rest of the corners in this draft isn't as great as the difference between Hamilton and the rest of the safeties. And oh, by the way, the Giants only have two safeties right now. I do not want to see Brian Lewerke playing safety in an actual game. <laughs> Did you say Brian Lewerke? That's hilarious. Yes, well, he, he has been playing safety in practice right now. Wild, and I heard Jerron Williams was, and that's much more obviously enticing than freaking Brian Lewerke. But I will say this, though, Chris. I end up selecting a safety at 36. I might have a difference of opinion that the drop-off from safety to cornerback isn't as stark, whereas I love Kyle Hamilton, but I also love Lewis Seen. I also love Jalen Petrie. I also love a lot of those types of players. Now, I went with the – we'll get into my pick at 36. I should probably go into what I ended up doing at 7 and what you ended up doing at 20. But I do think it's interesting that you did not go with Ahmad uh, Sauce Gardner and end up going with another cornerback at 36, a totally opposite corner. But let's talk about that seventh pick for me. I actually did go with Ahmad Sauce Gardner. We've talked about it extensively on the podcast, Chris, that Wink Martindale is looking for coverage cornerbacks, people who can play man coverage, people who are a little bit interchangeable. And I think Sauce Gardner has that press man skills where you can line them up in press he can jam he can ride he can play man coverage vertical carry vertical routes horizontal use a sideline to his advantage all the things that Gardner does well I think he's a realistic option for the Giants I'm not 100% certain if he'll even be there though because I don't know where the Lions or the Texans are going or if anybody even is going to want to trade up into the top five in this draft yeah all, all of that is completely valid like I said it's kind of a coin flip between Gardner and Hamilton uh in this case you, you went with heads I went with tails uh I'm not sure we could either of us really could have gone wrong. Yeah, and I, I think that's a safe point too. So I, I love Kyle Hamilton and the whole like, oh, he didn't run that. I don't really care. I, I don't care that he ran a four five nine. And now everyone's saying, you know what? It shows up on his film. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, <laughs> not even close. No, stop. You're seeing things. <laughs> I, I, and I'm, I'm hearing reputable people say this, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're like, what you're talking about. And I, I think Kyle Hamilton does have some limitations maybe in terms of can he cover smaller slot receivers can he drop down the slot and play man coverage he was exploited in a couple games this year doing so I don't think it's a huge indictment on Kyle Hamilton's play but I think it's something to note that might hinder you from selecting him in the top five but if the Giants come away in this draft with Kyle Hamilton 
I'm going to be really freaking happy, to be honest, because he's a damn good football player, and I would love to see what Donald Martindale can do with him and Xavier McKinney roaming the secondary. Yes, and I'll say, for the Giants specifically, they've got Julian Love, former cornerback. He does still have cornerback skills. He can cover in the slot. They've got Robinson, who is a cornerback. He is a slot corner. He is a very physical slot corner. So they don't have to match Kyle Hamilton up on a shifty slot corner in man coverage. They could let him play that deep center field, which we know he can do. Yeah. I actually think that four, five, nine forty is kind of deceptive with him at the combine. He, he did not run well. Like he just from a mechanics point of view ran poorly. He almost veered off the track at one point. Yeah. I do wonder how much the knee injury that basically ended his season, it was very oddly described by Brian Kelly there down in mm-hmm. down in South Bend as something like a pinched fat pad or something like that in his knee. Uh, it sounded like things were, there was no structural damage, but basically he just had to rest it for a while. So I wonder how much that interfered with his 40 training which running a 40-yard dash is a skill. And it's one football players really have to develop because, you know, when in a football game are you running 40 yards in a straight line? Not often. And that's why it's such a overvalued statistic or measurement, I guess I should say, testing measurement, specifically for running backs too, which is, is, is another conversation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so why don't I move on to my second pick? And here I do get to the offensive line. And I get Tyler Linderbaum, the, the center out of Iowa. And yeah, I am honestly feeling pretty good about this pick because I love Tyler Linderbaum. I get that he has short arms. I get that he is under 300 pounds. I don't care. Yeah, his arm length really does not show up on tape. He's a former wrestler. He, I, he pinned Tristan Wirfs in high school. He was one of the best wrestlers in the state of Iowa. That is that is kind of like having a baseball background for a quarterback. That gives you a whole extra toolbox worth of skills that you can employ as a lineman. It means you have just great natural balance. You have an instinctive understanding of leverage. You understand angles and positioning. And you understand how to fight with guys there in the trenches and how to not give up and strain and use every tool at your disposal to win. And that's what Linderbaum does. He has, he understands angles incredibly well. He has great leverage, great balance, tons of play strength. I mean, he is a powerful dude. I saw him. I specifically watched the Michigan game where he was matched up against Michigan's, what, 330-pound nose tackle. And Linderbaum really didn't give an inch against him. So I'm not worried about, about him against zero techniques. And one of the things that really jumped out to me about Tyler Linderbaum is his situational awareness. It's something I haven't really seen in alignment since Quentin Nelson, where Nelson had a rep, I think it was against Georgia back in college, where he picked up a blitzer who was coming from the second level without ever really looking at him. And that was a thing I saw Linderbaum do. You, know, you watch the stripe on his helmet, and he is engaged with his man. And then all of a sudden he sticks out an arm and just blows up a linebacker blitz without his helmet ever even turning the peripheral vision, the hand-eye coordination, the play strength, and just that kind of instinctive awareness is incredibly impressive to me. 
I'm a big Tyler Linderbaum fan from everything that I've seen. I didn't end up doing an evaluation on him. I, I actually I feel like I'm a little bit more concerned with, with power strength at the point of attack than maybe you are, but I don't still think it was a huge deficient part of his game. I think these short arms might hurt him at the next level. But man, when you just watch him, and I think you wax poetic about him well, watch him run block. He's one of the most athletic and just efficient run blockers you're ever going to see on those duo combo type blocks up to the second level, something Iowa runs quite often. He chips, stops, and then just goes and locates, cuts the angle off of the linebacker and eliminates him from the play. Not to mention he drives his feet through contact. Well, I'm a big Linderbaum fan. I do think those short arms and the and the overall weight of him is probably going to push him down to like the 20s, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But I definitely think he becomes an option for the New York Giants if they were to execute this trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, yeah, I, I got him at 20, and that, I I really feel like I got very good value with that. And like you talk about, the athleticism, the agility, even if he can't match up on somebody, you know, one-on-one match power with power, he still has the feet and the agility to gain half-man leverage on him. And that's the thing we saw Weston Richburg do quite a bit when he was with the Giants. I mean, he beat Snacks Harrison at nose tackle by gaining half-man leverage and just out-angling him. And if you're going to run zone concepts, man, you can have him go from a center and literally reach block like a, a four eye. He's going to be able to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> as, long, as long as it's not the, and this is where like the concern is, if he's going up against some of these dudes who are inside with like 34 plus inch arms, that's where, and they're, all, and they're also good football players, that's where it can get a little bit tricky for him because his arms are pretty short. And I think that's a realistic concern that, that's going to, that he's going to have to overcome at the next level. It is. But again, it- what what do the Giants have at center? <laughs> yeah, John Feliciano, which I'm excited for, you know. But seriously, uh, they're going to be looking for interior offensive linemen. And I honestly wish I addressed it a little bit more in this draft. It just didn't fall that way for me. So I'll move on to my 36th pick. And I went with this player mostly because he's a value. Now, so far in this mock draft, I have Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, the offensive tackle. Ahmad Sauce Garner out of Cincinnati, the cornerback. And I went with secondary again here, and that is Daxton Hill, the safety out of Michigan. He's not a traditional type of safety. And Mike McDonald's defense this last year, he played a lot of overhang, a lot of nickel type of looks. So basically like a slot defender. And I honestly think he has a line of scrimmage skills, the athletic ability, the man coverage skills, all of the nuanced skills for the cornerback position. or to play cornerback as a safety. He's designated as a safety. I mean, when he played in Don Brown's defense, he played a lot more too high. He can play post, I think, which is, you know, middle of the field, close, center field type of look. I think Daxon Hill's an excellent football player. I don't think there's any chance that he's going to fall to 36. And when he was there, I just said, I have to select this guy and and, and give Don McMartin another asset in terms of man coverage ability, in terms of excellent blitzing, in terms of I'm not going to be a liability and run support in terms of I am such a quick processor that I'm going to read the route combinations and react accordingly. All those things are Daxton Hill. Don't think he's going to be here. Had to select him here at 36 though. Yeah. If I had gone for sauce Gardner at seventh overall, nabbing Hill at 36 is the dream. Like that is just the draft gods are smiling upon you right there. Yeah. And I think it, it is significant that, the Michigan defense basically was based on Martindale's defense, what he ran in Baltimore. Yeah, Michigan's new defensive coordinator there, he got his start in Baltimore. And, you know, Hill would already come in knowing the language and yeah, being able to 
play in that style of defense. And he could be something like a Tyron Matthew, Troy Polamalu type player in the NFL. Yeah, for me, I went and, you know, we were kind of flipping uh, flipping the script here a little bit. You got Gardner. I went and got uh, Roger McCreary, cornerback out of Auburn. And normally I do care about arm length, but it doesn't seem like it the way the draft is falling for me right now because McCreary has very short arms. Uh, actually, well, 28 and 7 eighths inches. So, yeah, I suppose maybe you could say essentially 29 inch arms, but again, that, that is still very short. But the thing McCreary does have, which has always stuck with me is really, really good feet, really, really good hips. And he does have the athletic traits to play man coverage. Now, will he be able to play that hyper aggressive press man? I don't know. He was able to do it in the sec, but I don't know if he could play that, those techniques against bigger, stronger, more athletic, more technically skilled receivers at the NFL level. But I do think he can be a guy who can play just regular man coverage, get in phase with receivers, stay there throughout the route. And I do like how he uses the sideline as an extra defender. I do like how he closes down and plays receivers hands and knocks the ball away. So I don't think he is as is as good as Sauce Gardner is, or will be as good as Sauce Gardner is. But I do think he does have starting ability in the NFL. I think he can do what Wink wants a cornerback to do for the most part. And, you know, this is a case of, you can't get, I couldn't get what I wanted. You know, I was kind of hoping K.R. Alam would drop down to 36, but that didn't happen. He actually went not too far before my pick. Uh, I believe it was the Jaguars who got him damn them but yeah i'm still not disappointed in this one vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, I'm a big Roger McCreary fan. But I got to ask you right now, Chris, though, would you rather have Ahmad Gardner and Daxton Hill or Kyle Hamilton and Roger McCreary? tough right it it is you know i just got done saying sauce gardner and hill are the dream but like you i do not expect dax hill to drop down and fall out of the first round and if he does i expect him to be snapped up right at the top of the second so i would say mine might be a little bit more realistic (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think so i'm um 
I'm interested in this overall team building philosophy of going after the secondary pieces, which really jives with what Don McMartindale wants. That's a third time I said his full name like that. But let's move on to the 67th pick, Chris, because we each target the linebacker position, but we each go in different directions. And the linebacker that I chose, I actually chose over the guy that you went with. And we'll go over Leo Chanel, who is the linebacker that I chose. He's a little bit stiff in space. It's one of the concerns that I have. But in terms of coming downhill and blitzing and just being an absolute menace, in terms of run support in the box, there's few linebackers that are better than Leo Chenal. He's also a younger type of player who's about 250 pounds with elite athletic traits. Now, I would say I didn't see him play to the overall athletic ability that he showed at the combine, mainly just because he was a little stiff dropping back into coverage. But I think he is the cookie cutter fit for a player to come into this system and thrive as a blitzing linebacker between the tackles and also on the outside if you want to align him out there. So getting him at 67 is is something where I'm comfortable with making that selection for Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I was actually faced with the same decision between Leo Chanel and I went with Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Small school kid, but... Again, another elite athlete. You know, Anderson doesn't quite have Chanel's size. Yeah, he's Anderson is, I believe, 6'3, 243. So he's a little bit a little bit longer, a little bit leaner. He is very, very fast. We're in a 442 at the combine, and he plays to that speed on tape. He is just all over the field. Yeah. I am kind of looking at this as Anderson could be a guy who can help cover the middle of the field, which is an area where the giants have struggled for, um, I don't know what decade is it now? <laughs> you know, they, they have been looking for that real long-term answer at Mike linebacker since Antonio Pierce retired. And frankly, AP got a lot done with his head, you know, but he, a lot of his game was between the ears because he was not an athletic linebacker and he probably would have gotten eaten alive with the way offenses employ speed today. Anderson is not. Yeah, you know, his athletic comparison is Luke Keekley, and he is a former quarterback, All-American quarterback, ac- academic Heisman Trophy finalist. Yeah, he is a very, very smart player. He's still kind of developing and settling into being a full-time linebacker. So I think the sky is kind of the limit with his upside, and I think he could be developed as that Mike linebacker, the kind of quarterback of the defense. And I think having him be be able to be a rangy sideline-to-sideline side linebacker could free up blitzers from elsewhere in that back seven. So I, I think we have the same idea, but are just coming at it from slightly different angles. And I would not have a problem with Chanel either. I, I love him too. And I wouldn't have a problem with Troy Anderson because this is somebody who has all the length in the world that you want for a modern linebacker to close throwing windows to be able to cover – the number three wide receiver in three by one sets up, you know, robot locate him and then squeeze him to the safeties up in the middle of the field. I think he has all the movement skills to do that. It's just, he's coming from a small level of competition. I love Troy Anderson and that length. Speaking of length, Chris, you went with somebody at pick 81, who is a long tight end. And I just got to look at your rock, man. You got these guys with Tyrannosaurus Rex arms and you got these absolute just trees with huge branches <laughs> attached to their torso. dude. So speak on your 81st pick. Okay. So I don't think we would disagree that the Giants offense needs help. They need all of the help they can get pretty much everywhere at every single position. And the thing that has 
bugged me most of all about the Giants offense is that they cannot get the ball in the end zone, whether it's throwing the ball, running the ball, yeah, whatever. They cannot score touchdowns. And if you can't score touchdowns, you cannot win. I was hoping that one of the top receivers would drop. And in fact, I was prepared to use my third, second or second or third round pick on a receiver, but the board just didn't shake out that way. So I went with one of the top receiving tight ends in the draft. My thinking is Mike Kafka has had Travis Kelsey at his disposal since he joined the Chiefs in 2017. He knows what a great receiving tight end can do for an offense and do to a defense. And Dulcich is probably the best receiving tight end, just pure receiving tight end, in this draft class, he's tall, he's long, he's got good speed, he knows how to attack zone coverages, he can beat man coverage, and he can get the ball in the end zone. And, you know, Brian Dabal did not use tight ends very much in Buffalo. In fact, he loved the last two years to use four receiver sets. However, his thing is flexibility. Yeah, he really tries to tailor his offense, his play calls to his personnel. So in this case, I'm actually kind of looking at Kyle Shanahan and the way he uses heavy sets to influence the defense, to force them into big, heavy, slow base packages, and then throw the ball, throw the ball to Piddle and Kyle Jusick. And in this case, that's kind of what I'm envisioning with the Giants, where, okay, the the receivers, the depth in the receiving core is... We'll say iffy. They've got injury problems. They've got production problems. So I will get tight ends and I will force defenses into big, heavy packages where they have to guard against the run and I will throw it over their heads. Blocking is a problem for Dolchik, but you know what? You can you can scheme around that. <laughs> and this is the area of the draft where I'm comfortable with going with a tight end. And the fact that Jeremy Ruckert was there at 81 still, I felt comfortable now I looked around, I looked at edge because I'm, I did not really address edge in this mock draft to get a later pick. And I really wanted to, but like you said earlier, the board just didn't shake out that way. So I went with Jeremy Ruckert here out of Ohio state, somebody who didn't have that much production, but he shows soft hands, nuanced route running. I feel like he's a good overall athlete and he's somebody who will lose slowly enough to be a Y an effective Y blocking tight end at the next level. I don't think he's a dynamic player as of right now. I still think there is, we haven't seen his best football yet, but I'm willing to take this selection at 81. He doesn't have to be pigeonholed and forced to start right away with the giants getting Jordan Akins and having Ricky seals Jones. But I think this would be a, a pick who would play a lot of snaps in his first contract and be an effective player with receiving upside that we might not have seen yet. So I went with Rucker at 81. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. I really do like Jeremy Ruckert. I think he was underutilized in that Ohio State offense, although considering the receivers they have that C.J. Stroud had at his disposal, I can't blame them. I mean, when Jamison Williams has to leave to go look, leave to go to Alabama looking for playing time, I get it. I get how Jeremy Ruckert could be your fourth option. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to get into my fourth round pick and then we'll go into yours because yours is very interesting and in, in the mindset behind it. And I really want to talk about that. So at 112, I want Tyquan Thornton. This is a wide receiver out of Baylor, the one who ran the fastest uh, 40 yard dash this year in a four twos. 
Now, he's more than just speed, though. And I went and I watched this film and I came away really, really impressed with his ability to throttle down, his ability to release off the line of scrimmage. There was this touchdown catch that he had against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. The one against Oklahoma was a fade route against press coverage, and he absolutely just made the Oklahoma cornerback look like a fool. I feel like there is a lot of upside here with somebody with this type of speed. Now, he has like Will Fuller hands. They're like <laughs> less than nine inches. They're very, very small hands. But other than that, man, I see a really, really talented player who goes up, climbs the proverbial ladder, makes catches away from his frame. And one that I'm pretty shocked we we don't hear about a little bit more now. So at this area of the draft, I'm okay with rolling the dice on a Taekwon Thornton. But let's get into your 112th pick. Okay, so I have heard Giants fans screaming at me already. My mock draft hasn't even dropped yet as we are recording this about not drafting an offensive tackle. Obviously, the Giants need an offensive tackle. I was able to get one of the guys I was comfortable passing on Charles Cross for, and that is Max Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette. Now, Mitchell has been flying under the radar big time, and I might be his biggest fan, but to me, he is the best pass protector in this draft, or at least the best pass protector whose name is not Evan Neal. Because, you know, Neal is my highest graded offensive lineman. He does pretty much everything except block into the B gap well. <laughs> yeah, but for Max Mitchell, he has a lot of starts under his belt. He has starts at left tackle. He has starts at right tackle. He has traded positions mid-game and not missed a beat. And to me, that is incredibly impressive because that is not an easy thing to do, to basically completely mirror your technique mid-game. No practice, no warm-up reps or anything, just on one snap, you're left tackle. There's an injury. On the next snap, you are right tackle and playing at a high level. Yeah, Mitchell has, to me, great feet. He's a natural knee bender, good hip level, good pad level, good leverage. His arms are long enough. I believe they're 33 and a half inches. Not ideal, but not bad either. He's, I believe, six foot six, so he's got adequate length. He's got enough play strength to anchor and recover against a bull rush. He isn't a great run blocker, but he can work in that in those outside zone schemes or inside zone schemes although i don't recall louisiana using a ton of those and you know to me even if he doesn't make the transition to the nfl as a starter you still have a good swing tackle and those guys are still valuable but i do believe he does have starters upside i think he could with some development you know i'd like to see him you know, carry his hands a little bit higher in his past sets, you know, keep them, keep those elbows tucked in nice and close and be more aggressive shooting out his hands. But I think with some development, he could be a David Boxiari type find in the mid rounds where if you look at the strengths of his game, they translate well to being a pass protecting offensive tackle at the NFL level. Chris, I'm sure that everybody who will see this mock draft will totally accept the fact that you waited till 112 to select a right tackle. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I have to say, in you know, if this was on draft day, I might have put in this pick in the third round. Now, I'd have to go back and look at the draft to see if one of the other guys, like a, a Bernard Ryman or an Abraham Lucas, was 
available in the third round. Cause I might've picked one of those guys over Max Mitchell, but just the way the board shook out, I got one of the guys I was eyeing as a, not even contingency plan, but just as an, as an option with my, as a potential target with my trade back. And I was able to get, get him at the top of the fourth round. I might've put in this pick in, you know, in reality, just to make sure I got my guy, I might've put in this pick at 81st overall. So if the giants do go tackle, which it seems pretty likely they're going to go tackle uh, somewhere in the first round, you would totally be completely fine with them coming back here at 112 and getting max Mitchell and just beefing up the offensive tackle room. Absolutely. 100%. Like you, we have seen the giants multiple times over the last decade and a half scrambling because they had an injury and they just did not have the depth and depth is a problem for every single offensive line. And if you have a swing tackle who is capable of starting at either left or right tackle, you have an absolute treasure on your roster that saves you roster spots on game day. That saves you roster spots on your 53 man roster. And eventually if he gets out there and plays well, like you, you don't ever want to see your six man starting, but it does happen. If you don't extend him at the end of his rookie contract, these guys have a chance to get really good contracts on the free agent market, which is a strong compensatory pick. So even in that case, it's an investment. An investment that would hopefully pay off. Now let's go to pick 147, the Giants first fifth round pick. We both go with two running backs. I think I prefer the running back that you selected over mine, but that guy was not around in my mock draft. I go with <laughs> Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. He's a, a burner type of back, someone who can hit the home run. I feel like he's a solid overall option here late on day three or in this area of the draft. And I kind of feel like there's a lot of running backs who kind of fall into the same category as a Jerome Ford, including the running back you went with, who you could talk about, but like guys like, you know, Karan Williams is a little bit different, more of a pass protection, three down type of skill set back. I've heard good things about Jerrion Ely out of Ole Miss and Ty Chandler out of North Carolina, but landing Jerome Ford around here, I'm comfortable with that. Now, please talk about the man that you landed. <laughs> yeah, I, I stay in the small schools right here. Uh, I suppose that's just all the time I've, I've spent with Joe. Yeah, you, he's influenced <laughs> me, but I went with Pierre Strong Jr. Running back, running back out of South Dakota State. Yeah. South Dakota State Jackrabbits, yeah, obviously football powerhouse, right? Well, okay, so maybe not. But Pierre Strong, he was incredibly productive. He ran roughshod over the FCS uh, to the point of he had 22 rushing touchdowns and averaged seven yards per carry his final year. He averaged over seven yards per carry for his entire career at South Dakota State. He was incredibly productive. He's got good vision, good contact balance, enough size. I think he's about 5'11", 210, which, you know, not huge. But when you've got good agility, good contact balance, good feet, that's big enough. And he does have home run speed. He's got 4'3", speed, which that that's fast. <laughs> you know, that might not be 4'2", speed, but 4'3", will still get you to the end zone. Yeah, I would like to see him play a little bit better in man gap situations, but it seems like just the way my draft has fallen, I'm kind of building towards a zone blocking scheme. So this works. And I would like to see him get more comfortable as a receiver, but South Dakota state 
didn't throw the ball much. So I can kind of understand that when you could just hand it to Pierre Strong and he's going to pick up seven yards. Strong, he's a solid player from everything that I've seen. Let's round the last two picks out, the fifth and sixth round pick, 173 and 182. The two players that I went with was Tyreek Smith, uh, the edge out of Ohio State, and Cade Mays, the interior offensive lineman out of Tennessee. Look, I wanted to get edge here, and there just weren't any value whenever I selected, so I just did not do it. I would have went with either, I believe, Ebiketti was on the board at 36, which is where I wanted to go, but I couldn't pass Daxton Hill, the safety out of Michigan. So... I address edge here, Tyreek Smith. I mean, I've waited a while, but this is somebody who is more of a designated pass rusher, had over 30 pressures the last two seasons there at Ohio State in kind of a situational type of role. When he went down the senior bowl, I actually felt like he was pretty solid down there getting into it with uh, Trevor Penning a bunch of different times. I believe he was (laughs) one of the ones fighting with Trevor Penning, but he's not the most dynamic or the most explosive, but I feel like he uses his hands well to kind of corner and get into the pocket once he gets to the outside shoulder up the pass rushing arc has a solid first step I would say so I I liked the value of Smith at this area of the draft and the maze is just a developmental type of interior offensive lineman somebody Knoxville born and bred ended up going to UT shouldn't be relied on to start but somebody to just develop who has solid length 34 plus inch arms you know 10 inch hands so I, I didn't hate that pick at this point of the draft. But again, these are people who would have to probably fight to make the 53-man roster. Maybe not Tyreek Smith, but Cade Mays a little bit, depending on who else the Giants would get in undrafted free agency. But um, what do you feel about those two picks? And then please talk about your final two picks. Yeah, I actually like Tyreek Smith. I looked at him a couple times over the course of my draft, and I just wound up going elsewhere. But Smith would be a good edge, I think, for Wink Martindale, especially where you got him you know the the bottom of round five he's a like you said designated pass rusher really agile guy and so he is a guy that martindale could run out there on third and forever you know line him up in maybe some unique area you know unique alignments and just scheme up blitz packages and just send him after quarterbacks yeah that i think is what martindale kind of looks for in edges like he has said he wants cover players you know cover corners it's secondary players so he can get creative and really aggressive with his blitz packages he can scheme pressure he can't scheme coverage it's basically his philosophy so you know i do like that pick here i went with a flyer developmental player at 173 and Kalen Barnes, cornerback out of Baylor. You know, we, we both get speed out of Baylor. Uh, Barnes ran a 4-2-3 at the combine. So he's got speed. Uh, he's got speed in spades. And, you know, he's kind of a twitchy athlete. He's, I think, undisciplined in his technique. But when you've got the traits that he does, uh, I think coaches would be willing to work with him and to try to coach up his traits and maybe develop him into good reliable depth at cornerback or you know at at the very least with his speed you could try him at kick returner or you know some sort of gunner some kind of special teams role yeah this is this is the the back end of the fifth round You're, you're not going to be getting starters here you're looking for role players and then for my final pick 182nd Sixth round, I went with the uh, Chigo Okwankwo out of Maryland. The um, well, I suppose we can call him a tight end. He's H back. Um, 
they Maryland used him kind of all over, but he was a big play threat. This kind of goes back to my rationale with Greg Dulcich, where okay, the the wide receiver never really was there for me. So I'm looking for ways to attack offenses in unconventional ways where they might not be prepared to defend them. And Okwanko, he is, or Okonkwo, pardon me, is you know, incredibly athletic. He's a stout guy, and he has the ability, even as a tight end H-back, to be a home run threat from pretty much anywhere on the field. Yeah, he does. And he's somebody else who has a unique story because he missed the 2020 season with a heart issue, which is obviously really concerning. But he came back in 2021 and he was all Big Ten conference. I watched his film. He's definitely more of a receiver than he is the traditional type of tight end, not necessarily the blocker, but his athletic ability and his overall speed definitely popped up on film. He ended the season with, I think, 447 receiving yards, had 52 catches and five touchdowns in the 13 starts. Good bounce back after missing the 2020 season. He should be drafted probably around this area of the draft and hopefully be a mismatch type of player for, for a team going forward. But I think this was a solid dueling mock drafts here. Do we have any picks that were the same? I don't believe we didn't. We didn't have one pick that was the same, but we definitely had a similar philosophy in terms of what the Giants should do to build up this defense for Martindale while also surrounding Daniel Jones with solid skill players and obviously an offensive line, which I kind of wish I addressed a little bit more than just cross and maze, but again, didn't really fall that way. Yeah. That's the thing with mock drafts and really the draft in general. It's like you have to play the hand you're dealt. And at least with mock draft simulators, if things go way sideways, you can always hit start over, you know, this was, I have to admit, my second attempt at a mock draft. The first one, I got to my first pick and could not make it. Yeah, you know, I had my, I put in my trade before I even hit start draft, and Aiden Hutchinson fell to me at seven. I'm sorry, but, but that just is not a thing that is going to happen. If it does happen, if I had known he would even be there at five, I would not have gone through with the trade. That that is a sprint to the podium moment, but it was just way too small of a chance to happen for me to go, to go in and put in that pick in good, just in good faith. Dude, it's it's nuts, man. If if Aiden Hutchinson fell, I just can't wait for the draft to happen. Like, where's Trayvon Walker gonna go? Like, what's his like? All these questions that we've been just going over for the last several weeks now. Like, let's just. Let's just get it going now. And it's and it's coming this week on Thursday. So I'm really excited about that, Chris. Before we get out of here, do you have anything else to say? Uh yeah, is it draft night yet? <laughs> is it draft night yet? Of course. Almost, almost, Chris. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. We will be covering the draft extensively over at BigBlueView.com. Please leave a comment and subscribe to the podcast below on iTunes or wherever you're digesting this material. And also it's the draft. The draft is right around the corner and I can't wait. Everybody take care of yourselves and be well. We'll talk to you soon. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 